Welcome to Victory Church. If you can, if you're cool with it, high five somebody, say hello, shake a hand. If you can't, air high five somebody, whatever you can do. Uh, I know, I know fellowshipping's a little bit different in 2021, but it's not dead. Everybody say fellowship's not dead. It sounded dead when you said it, is what I'm, so I'm going to need y'all to be a little bit more excited about that. Hey, welcome to Victory Church. I'm so glad to have you today. Let me give just a couple of quick announcements before we jump into the message today. Number one, if you are visiting with us either here or online, I know a lot of our church families watching online in this season, uh, I want to encourage you to text the number that's going to come up on the screen. So here's what you'll do. You'll, the number you're texting to is 31996, in case you've never done something like this, and you're texting Victory 18 to that number. And you say, why am I doing that? When you do that, you'll get a connection card that will come through your phone, and it kind of gives you the opportunity to fill it out contactless, as we might say around here these days, especially for those of you that are watching online. You can fill that out. At the bottom of that form, there'll be some check boxes, uh, and, and depending on what happens today, there's a box for you if you decide to give your heart to Christ. There's a box if you decide you want to be baptized. There's a box if you want to join the dream team. And then there's a box, just an other box, if you have any kind of questions about anything, that gives us the opportunity to see your questions, to see your need, and reach out to you in the middle of the week and do the best we can at answering all your questions. So again, I'll talk about that again at the end and remind you of that number at the end, but I definitely want to encourage you to do that. Also, if you're looking for a way to give, uh, we do three, three different ways of giving here. One is definitely our online. You can go online and give through that way. Also, we have a text to give. And then if you're visiting with us today or, or you're in person today, let me say that, and you're wanting to give that way, we don't pass baskets at this current moment, but right outside those double doors, there's this little black box that you can give that way in case you're wanting to give a cash or check. We're just trying to do our best, again, to remain contactless and to help you be as safe as possible during this time because we're so appreciative that people are starting to come back into the building and be in church in person. Doesn't mean we don't love our online family, so there's still ways for you to get connected and to give through that, but we love to continue to see week by week people coming back. And aren't you just happy that church is back? And some of you are like, well, church never left. I, I get it. I understand what you're saying. But I heard a lot of people say throughout that season that it's just different. Would you agree that it's just different? Like, like online is good. Obviously, the, the sermon is great. Uh, let me, sorry, let me rephrase that. What I meant was the word is great. Like, the word of God is great. All right? I'm not trying to give myself props here. Um, but, and, and the experience is great. Our production team, our team, does a great job of putting together a great product. But there's just something about being in the house with other people. People. And I'm actually going to talk about that next week uh, as we finish off Acts 2, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. So here we go. All right. We're in a, a series called Believe, and what we're doing is we're going through the book of Acts chapter by chapter. Some weeks we spend multiple weeks in some chapters, uh, but we started Acts 1 last week, and we will start Acts 2 today. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and get your Bibles out, whether you have a paper Bible or it's on your phone. Uh, also, we encourage you to have a journal during the series, and, and here's one of the reasons. Throughout these, these, this series and definitely through the series we did in John, there's times where I try to give you real practical things, things that you can do every day, things that you can do weekly, things that you want to remember you know, in the future if you're trying to share the gospel with somebody. And so that's why the journal is important. Certainly, you can go back online and watch and take notes that way. But there are just certain things, and there's definitely some things today that it'd be smart for you to have with you so that you could look over again or even share it with friends and family and so on. So as I did with the, book, with the series, John... I'm doing with this series through the book of Acts. Get you a journal. Get you a journal. Get you a pen and be ready to take notes. Amen? Amen. All right. I like it. We're, we're engaged. Are y'all with me today? You excited? You awake? Yeah. It's a pretty day. It's a pretty day. People getting baptized. Come on. It's going to be a pretty day. All right? So we're excited. We're excited. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Here we go. You ready? We're diving in. 
says, when the day of Pentecost came, okay? Now, let me explain real quick. Pentecost celebrate means 50. It celebrated 50 days after the resurrection. So Jesus resurrected. He was on earth for 40. Then he ascended to heaven. So it's 10 days later after Jesus' ascension. So when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. 120 people, we talked about that a couple weeks ago, that Jesus showed himself to over 500 people. He said, hey, go and wait for me so that you can receive the Holy Spirit. 120 show up. They go to this place. They call it the upper room. So they go to this room. They're together in one place. And suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind, okay? So it wasn't a blowing of a violent wind, but it was a sound like it came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting, Then they saw what seemed to be, so it wasn't, but it seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. That's going to be important in a minute. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. That's going to be a very important detail, that staying there is uh, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven, all right? So all over the world. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken, okay? Um, so then they, they get amazed, they get perplexed, and it's even to a point where the people around them go, uh, I think they may be drunk, And it's cool because Peter goes, no, it's too early for drinking. (laughs) It's like nine in the morning, you know. And so he's like, they're not drunk. Uh, It's just the Holy Spirit has fallen. And I want to talk to you about that for a moment today. I want to talk to you from the concept or from the subject, the power, the process, and the promise. The power, the process, and the promise. Last week, as we began the series in Acts, Acts chapter 1, we talked about how you and I were made for a mission. Remember, we spent the whole series, 30 weeks of John, laying out the fact that who Jesus is, the Son of God, then he dies for our sins, then he resurrects, and because he resurrected, we can believe in him, and we can go and share the gospel. And that's how the gospel had power, and that's how the gospel changed lives. And then all of a sudden, we get into Acts, and Acts is about you and I and the church as a whole going out and doing what God has called us to do. It's going out and fulfilling that mission and being commissioned to go and be the church. And so I said last week that we need to get to stepping, right? And I talked about how if you're not saved, you need to be saved. And how if you're saved, you need to be baptized. And if you've been saved and baptized, then you need to start serving God. And if you're serving God, then we need to get you in a small group. And there's steps you take, not only to better you in your knowledge and relationship with God, But all of those steps put you in a position to help introduce other people to God. When you get saved, now you want to tell people about God. When you get baptized, people see you get baptized, now they want to know about God. When you're serving, you have an opportunity to talk about God. When you're in a small group, you have an opportunity to talk about God. All of these steps are not only to better you, because they do. You mature, you grow as a Christian, but they are to put you in a perfect place to share the gospel and introduce people to God, because that is your mission. Thank you. I got a little clapping, a little, little good. Here, here, here. <laughs> All right, settle down. Um, I've always said this, you know, growing up in ministry, that if, if, if salvation was just for you and I to go to heaven, then as soon as we got saved, we'd go. Because I don't need to hang around and have more opportunity to sin. You know what I mean? 
But the reason why we stay around is so that we can help other people know about the God that we have met so that they can be saved. So it's important for us to get into a mindset that we're not just coming to church. We are the church, right? So I think that many of us have the desire to do what God has called us to do. I think that our biggest problem is we just don't know how to do it, right? Like, like, like I, to be completely honest with you, I think you sitting in a seat today, I think you're here because ultimately you want to do what God has called you to do. I don't think you're like, no, I don't want to do it. Like, I, I think you want to do it. But I think there's a part of you that just doesn't know how. There's a part of you that doesn't feel qualified. There's a part of you that doesn't feel like you've been informed enough to be able to actually walk and fulfill God's given purpose over your life. And listen to me, this is what makes the book of Acts vital because it's the book of Acts that shows us how to do it. The, the subject uh, of the book of Acts, the subject would be about the church, be about us going and fulfilling the commission that Jesus gave us. But the book of Acts circles around or centers around one main character. That main character is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the how we do it, okay? So, so look at it like this. If the book of John was about the work of the Son of God for us, then the book of Acts is about the work of the Holy Spirit in and through us, okay? I mean, let me rewind that in case you were, fell asleep for a second. The book of John that we studied for 30 weeks, that was a, all about the work of Jesus for us. He did these miracles, he died, he resurrected. It's all about what he did for us. The book of Acts is all about what the Holy Spirit, or let's say like this, what God is gonna do in and through us through the Holy Spirit, okay? Y'all with me? All right, so let's get to it. First is the power, all right? And if you're taking notes, these are the things you wanna write down. First is the power. You need the power to do it. So let's go back to Acts chapter two, and I wanna show you a couple of verses. I think it's verses three and four. Go ahead and throw that up there for me. Uh, it says, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on, everybody say, each, each of them, and now say all, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit, now say enabled, enabled them. So we've got each of them, all of them, and now the Holy Spirit enabling them. All 120 of these people, that listened to Jesus and went to this room and waited on the Holy Spirit, they got to experience this strange phenomenon that had never happened before. And it has never and it will never happen again in the pages of Scripture, all right? What happened there was unique for there. That was that scenario. Throughout the Bible, there's all kinds of different responses and scenarios when it comes to being filled with the Holy Spirit. But for Acts chapter 2, this is what specifically happened. And it happened for a reason. It happened like it happened on purpose. And depending on how you were raised and depending on, depending on where you are the theologically and religiously, you might have been spooked by this. Someone might have miscommunicated this to you. And there might be a part of you that just kind of avoids Acts chapter 2. And listen, this is what I love about expository preaching is because I can't skip chapter 2. You'd be like, hey, one, now you went to three. I can count. We're missing one, right? Something's wrong. So we have to talk about it, but I'm going to show you how it's not as scary as people make it out to be because what happened in that room was on purpose for them and them, all right? Pay attention. Under the old covenant, under the old covenant, the Holy Spirit rested on God's people as a nation. 
So in the old covenant, the Holy Spirit, what they talked about it, they knew about it, but in, in their understanding, in their theology, it rested on God's people as a nation, okay? So not, not singly, not specifically, um, but as a nation. Under the new covenant, the Holy Spirit now rests on God's people as individuals. Did you catch that? So in the old time, it rested on God's people as a nation, as a whole. Now, after Jesus, the new covenant is that it rests on us as individuals. This is why it's so important that it says that each of them, each of them had this uh, thing that seemed like fire landing on them. It's why it's important that it says all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Each of them, all of them, because what happened was it emphasized the fact that the Spirit of God was present with, in, and upon each individual. Here's what that means. That means back in the day, Old Covenant, we would have thought, somebody would have said, oh, the Holy Spirit's in this place, right? That would have been it falling on us as a group. And this is true. It's, it still happens. I mean, I shared a story a couple weeks ago about a young lady walking in here, and we hadn't even started church yet. She lived with her friend and said, I'm going to need a Kleenex. <laughs> like, she just knew she was going to cry. That's the presence of God. We pray that all the time, the presence, to be in this place, because we can't do anything for you, but his presence can change you, which is why we pray that. But because of Jesus and the new covenant, listen, not only does the Holy Spirit come over an entire place like this, but the Holy Spirit rests on you as an individual, you and me, you and her, you, you, it rests on us as individuals. And the reason why this had to happen is it had to emphasize the fact that the Spirit of God was in, with, and upon each individual. Now, the people that see this happen are amazed. The Bible says they are amazed and perplexed. They are just freaking out. The reason why, there's a verse that we didn't read in there where they look and they go, aren't they Galileans? And the reason why they said that is because the people of, that's, these people were, were Galileans, the people of Galilee from Galilee, and the people of Galilee were known to be uneducated and poor speakers. So just for a second, let's try to put ourselves in these people's shoes, okay? They are seeing a group of people who are known to be uneducated, known to be poor speakers, and not only are they speaking different languages that nobody taught them, they didn't know those languages yesterday, they didn't know those languages last week, they can't take some kind of crash course to learn these languages, all of a sudden these Poorly educated, poor speaking individuals are speaking these brand new languages. And watch this. They're speaking them with elegance. Just because of that alone, the people are like, are they drunk? Like, like what is happening here? And it was that moment that it proved that something had happened to them. It's the Holy Spirit that empowers and enables us, please catch this, to operate beyond ourselves. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Now, the Holy Spirit has many. It comforts you. It guides you. If you're really interested, you can go back to the John series. I preached a message on the Holy Spirit, and we talked a little bit about some attributes, and we're going to talk about them all throughout this series. But for Acts 2 specifically, the role that the Holy Spirit is playing is he's enabling and empowering the disciples and ultimately us to be able to operate beyond ourselves. Luke says that they were speaking 
15 different languages. Think about that. I mean, it's so easy, y'all, to read over this because we're not there. We don't really get the context. So, so I'm always trying to get us in the Bible, all right? So let's just say this. Let's say, try to, try to think of yourself personally. You, you came to church today. Church is great. Yay, ha, ha, ha. You go home. Next Sunday, you come in. You get in a little late, right? You had to go to Dunkin' Donuts and get your coffee. Come in a little late. You come walk in the back door, and everybody in this room is speaking in different languages, right? W- would you be freaked out? Just a little bit, right? Just a little bit. So not only are they speaking 15 different languages, but they know that these individuals are not educated at all. So all of that is, 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 is happening with it. And then watch this. Here's the big kicker. Everybody who's speaking in different languages, remember how the Bible said that all these people are there and they're from different nations? Here's what they start doing. Hey, that's my language. And then somebody goes, no, no, hey, that's my native language. Wait, 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 wait. That's my native. And everybody that was there was able to point out their native language. They weren't speaking gibberish. They were speaking literal other languages. And everybody who was there was going, hey, hey, that's me. Hey, that's me. And then here's the kicker. You ready? Everything that everybody was saying was lining up under the same theme. And it was Jesus. There's so much layer in this, y'all. Not only are these people uneducated, not only do they not normally speak well, not only are they speaking different languages that they didn't have time to learn and they didn't have time to go to school for, not only is it 15 languages that, according to Luke, covered the entire world under heaven, but they're all talking about the same thing, which is Jesus. The disciples doing something that they knew they couldn't do by themselves is what gave them the confidence that they had been empowered. The disciples doing something that they knew that they could not do themselves is what gave them the confidence that, hey, something has happened to me. I have been empowered by the Spirit of God because we are doing something that we could never do on our own. I'll never forget the the first time that I spoke to my parents about moving and planting the church. In case you are visiting with us, you don't know a lot about our history, we moved here about three or four years ago to plant this church. We lived in Memphis, Tennessee. And at the time that I told my mom, we didn't know where we were going. We didn't know Smyrna, Tennessee. We didn't even know Tennessee. That was kind of her biggest concern is don't take my grandbabies you know, too far away from me. Uh, we, didn't, we didn't have any money at all. We didn't have any confirmation that anybody was going to go with us. Uh, we didn't know where we, we had no help, no money, didn't know where we were going. But other than that, we were good to go, right? <laughs> And so imagine telling your parents that, like, hey, here's the deal. God has called me to go and start a church. Oh, oh well, where are you going? I don't know. Well, how are you going to do it? I don't know. Well, who's going to help you? I don't know. Okay, well, it doesn't sound like it's God. You know what I mean? Like, like there'll be moments where it's kind of difficult for my mom to really understand it. And check, I, I had no idea that God was going to send us to Smyrna. I had never even been to Smyrna in my life. I had no idea that God was going to raise up 18 people who would move here with us, sell their houses and move here with us to start the church. I had no idea that God would provide $165,000 before we ever started to be able to do it. I had no idea that God was going to do any of that. But for some strange reason, I had this confidence. Like, I had this faith. Me and Darla, I don't actually, and listen, I'm not a big faith-filled person. Like, like I, I know that might be hard for you to hear considering I'm your pastor, but I don't walk around doing crazy things. You know, I'm, I'm pretty normal. So I don't, I don't have like this, all these stories of, well, I stepped out in faith in this and I stepped out in faith in that. This, this was by far the biggest thing we had ever done. But every time we talked to somebody and they said, well, where's the money going to come from? I don't know. Well, where are you going to go? I don't, may, I don't know. Maybe Tennessee? I don't know. 
Well, who's going to help you? I don't know. We've asked some friends, but they hadn't really said anything. You know what I mean? Like we had no real uh, 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 solid work to go with, but there was something in us that was just confident about it. And to me, that was evidence of the Holy Spirit. I'll give you another example of it. Uh, I should have asked you about it so I get the details right, but Scout, he he was on the drums today. So um, I've told this story a lot of times, and I always get it wrong, but the very first time Scout walked into our youth group, weren't you in complete black, like long black uh, trench coat type thing? Um, Yeah, pretty scary. He had long hair. He's super tall. I don't know if y'all saw him when he stood up, super tall. And, And I just remember him coming in for the first time, and he ends up getting saved, gives his heart to the Lord, and then within months, probably weeks, he is the orchestrator of about two to three buses that are picking up kids and friends from his neighborhood and his friends and bringing them to church. And these kids are getting saved. He, he, he brings his sister to church. She gets saved. His parents, they get saved. His mom and dad start driving the buses. Like, all of this is insane. And, and I encourage you to talk to him about it. Like, I can guarantee you that there was something happening in him that kind of shifted, right? Where he goes from just being saved to now he's doing all this stuff that is beyond him. Make sense? Anytime that you do something that is beyond yourself, that is evidence of the Holy Spirit in you. It's God working through you. No, you couldn't do that. Listen to me. Can I tell you something real quick? Every individual that you walked by today to get here, every dream team member is walking and operating in the Holy Spirit. Here's how I know. Guess what? They didn't even get to have their coffee this morning. They had to yell at their kids too. They had to say, put your shirt on for the 15th time. They were grabbing their kid by the ear, trying to get him to church early. They had to get here and they had to go through all that and stress. And yet when they talked to you, you felt loved and welcomed and you felt the spirit of God. Why? Not because of them, because of the Holy Spirit working in them. When this band gets up and leads, when this production team, this sermon, listen to me. Everybody that you've looked at today is very normal. And I can say that with confidence because here I am. So when you walk out of here and go, man, I felt God. It wasn't us. It's the Holy Spirit. Every person that gets baptized today, they're not being baptized because of a church service. They're not getting baptized because of a worship song. They're getting baptized because God is doing something inside of them. And the Holy Spirit is working and they're operating beyond themselves. That is evidence of the Holy Spirit. The extraordinary message of the gospel has to be spread through ordinary people. So therefore, we need something to make us ordinary people act extraordinarily. The extraordinary gospel has to be shared through you and me. And we are very ordinary. So therefore, we need something That is going to make us extraordinary so that when we communicate the gospel, it changes lives. And it's not your talent, and it's not your gifting, and it's not your skill. It is the Holy Spirit operating through you. So when you say, sing, speak, move, act, help, live, somebody feels moved by it. But understand something. When you do it, that's evidence of the Holy Spirit working in your life. I like what A.W. Tozer said. He said, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we we do would still go on, 
and no one would even know the difference. But watch this. But if the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 90% of what they did would have stopped and everyone would have known the difference. That's so good. And he's obviously, we're not talking about any specific church here, but he's just talking about the church in general, what's happening with the American church today. And listen, understand something. I'm a believer in lights and smoke. I mean, you see it, we're doing it. I, I, I love the idea of setting the right atmosphere so that anybody feels welcome. We're all about systems and growth tracks. We have kids ministry. We do all the things that we feel like we need to do to be able to help you take those steps. But understand something. At the end of the day, what changes your life is the Holy Spirit working through people. And what A.W. Tozer is saying is if, back then, had we taken the Holy Spirit away, they would have gone right back to being just a bunch of fishermen. And the gospel would have stopped. But because they were so ordinary then, when the Holy Spirit made them, now all of a sudden the gospel spreads. Now we're trying to do it out of our own strengths and our own talents and our own actions. And we wonder why people walk out and their lives aren't changed. Because your life isn't changed until you have the Holy Spirit start operating through you. You are saved because of Christ. And with that, you'll see it in a minute, comes the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit working in you starts to change you. And now you're doing things going, I don't even know how I did that. No, you don't know because the Holy Spirit is working in you. I want our church to be spirit-led and spirit-fueled. But I believe that we can embrace God's power without being weird about it. Right? I don't think we have to be weird to have the Holy Spirit. And, you know, that's kind of been what we've been taught. Like, if we get the Holy Spirit, we got to get all the weird. I got to get the little shoe, you know, thing that adapts where the, where the uh, what's the symbol things? The, what's that called? Tambourine. <laughs> Apparently, I've never played it. Um, but just, you know, to have the Holy Spirit, we don't have to have that thing on our foot. You know what I mean? You don't have to run around. By, by all means, if you want to run around, run around. Just don't run near me, Okay. But you don't have to have those things to operate. You can be really normal and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Right? So, so let's talk a little bit about Acts 2. Because I want you to know a couple of things, you know, theologically. First of all, there is a difference in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Those are two different things, right? We're going to talk about that as Acts continues on. There'll be times where we have to talk about it. But what's happening right now in Acts 2 is so important because, and you probably heard this statement, I don't know how many of y'all have a deep, uh, you know, history in, in church going and all that, but you've probably heard the statement uh, that they are filled with the Holy Spirit out of the evidence of speaking in tongues. Probably heard that before. And depending on who you talk to, you got freaked out because they made you sound like they were going to be speaking. What's that language from Harry Potter? Slytherin? Something like that? Sparkle, sparkle tongue? Sparkle? Sparkle? We're not doing this. Okay. Don't watch that either. Okay. Um, you know, you, you got all freaked out and thought that all this stuff was going to have to happen. For, but let me tell you what's happening in Acts 2. This is so powerful. Okay. Let's go back to it. A room full of people who are uneducated, who are poorly spoken, speaking 15 different languages that cover the entire nation. And they are all speaking about the same theme, which is Jesus. So now, watch this, rewind. It makes sense that they are filled with the Holy Spirit, and it's evident 
because they are speaking in other languages. Does that make sense? These are actual languages. So the reason why people said, oh, it's obvious that they're filled with the Holy Spirit is because they were ordinary people doing extraordinary things. They were doing unexplainable things. It wouldn't make sense for them to be speaking languages that they didn't learn and being able to talk to everybody who's there talking about Jesus. So somebody stepped back and said, hey, it's evident that they're filled with the Holy Spirit because of the speaking of other tongues. He wasn't talking about gibberish. He was talking about something miraculous happening. Acts 2 is not scary. It may not happen like that for you. It may not. I just thought it hadn't happened like that since. I don't know what it might look like for you, but the true evidence of you being filled with the Holy Spirit is you as an ordinary person operating extraordinarily for the glory of God. Amen? I hope y'all, I work really hard on that. I hope y'all like that. Like, trying to really help you understand this. The gospel doesn't need to be dressed up, fluffed up, or puffed up. Okay. It's not limited to cultural barriers. It's not limited to language barriers. It's not limited to racial barriers. Everything we need to take the message of the gospel has already been given to us through the Holy Spirit. And if you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about that in a moment. But the Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than you. It makes me better than me. You having the Holy Spirit doesn't make you better than somebody. It makes you better than you. You without the Holy Spirit, you with the Holy Spirit. Makes you better than you. It's power. It's power for you to share the gospel with the person you work with. The Holy Spirit giving you the words to say so that you can talk to your family about Jesus. The Holy Spirit making you get a van and go pick up 40 teenagers and lead your parents to the Lord. That's the Holy, that's evidence of the Holy Spirit. I don't care if you speak in a language or not. It's evidence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives you the power and the boldness to go and do. So here's what we're doing. Here's why I'm preaching this. Because if you listened to me last week, or if you're if you're now you're trying to take in what I'm saying in the aspect that you need to go out and be the church, you might go, Well, how am I gonna do that? What did Moses say? I'm not a good speaker. <laughs> How am I going to do that? I'm, 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 I'm an introvert, right? I'm a, I'm a three on the Enneagram or whatever. I don't even know what the numbers mean. We'll find excuses. But according to Acts 2, Jesus said, I've given you the Holy Spirit. That's what gives you power and boldness to do it. Okay? So there's power. Next is the process. So first is the power. You need the power, Holy Spirit. Boldness. Understand it's not, it's not, it's not you. It's God working in you. Then there's the process. Acts 2.14 says that Peter stood up with the 11 and raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Now, if you're not careful, when you read this, you'll think Jesus, or you think Peter's at church. Or maybe Peter stood up, you know, at a church conference. Peter is in the middle of a festival. It's festival season. They have annual festivals. Theologians say that this particular festival was the highest attended festival because of the time of the year that it happens. So the weather's nicer, so people travel because obviously they didn't have cars and all that back then, so they're having to walk. So they say this was the highest attended festival. It goes back to the point of Acts 2 saying that people from under every nation under heaven were there, right? So Peter stands up. I was trying to think of a way to give you an example. Here's the best way I could do it. It's like him standing up at Mardi Gras. He just stands up and starts preaching the gospel. Okay, so it's clear that Peter has the power. 
It's clear that he has the power. But what he's about to lay out for you and for me is the process. And the process is where it's at. This process is for you personally, and it's the process you need when you get ready to share the gospel with somebody. So here we go. First step is this. What you need to believe. So this is the first thing Peter's going to start with. What the truth that you should believe. Because number one, for you to have faith, you've got to know what you believe. For you to go tell anybody about faith, you've got to know what you believe, right? So here's the truth. He lays it out in Acts chapter 2, 22, 24. Here's what he says. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him. So Peter starts off with Jesus is the son of God, right? Number one, thing you believe, Jesus is the son of God. Number two, with the help of wicked men, they put him to death by nailing him to the cross. Number one, Jesus is the Son of God. Number two, he died on the cross for you so that you could be saved from your sins. Number three, God raised him from the dead. Peter says these are the three things that you should believe, that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died for your sins, and he raised from the grave. We just spent 30 weeks talking about this. This is what we have to believe. Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus died for my sins, Jesus resurrected from the grave, all right? So that's, that's what you should believe. Now... How should you respond to what you believe, the actions that you should do? It's the process we're laying out. Step one, you got to believe this. Step two, here's the action you should do. Peter said, repent and be baptized. Now that you believe these things, as a response, repent and be baptized. We said last week that repent means to turn away from whatever it is that you're focused on and turn to God. We all look to something in our life for hope, for, uh, you know, for love, for completion, for all these things, turn away from that. If it's not God, and turn to God. That's what repent means. Repent, turn to God, be saved, be baptized. All right, so Peter's told us what we should believe, and then he told us that because we believe that, here's how we should act. And then here's the why, all right? This is so cool. Here's the reason why. Acts 2.21, because everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So when it goes to you going out and doing what God's called you to do, here's the power to do it. I spent all that time explaining to you, here's your power to do it. Here's why you have the confidence and the boldness to do it. Now, what do you do? You start by making sure they know what to believe. Christ, the Son of God, died for our sins, raised from the grave. Here's what they should do because they believe it, repent and be baptized. And here's why they should do it. Because if they do those things, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You got the power and the process. I had some friends invite me or ask me to come over a couple weeks ago to help put together a play set for their kid. And I got over there, and it was me and the husband and the wife. So we had all the power we needed. We had the strength. We had the hands. We had the power. We were good. What we needed was the process. So she had to go get the instruction booklet. She had to lay out all the pieces because that is the process. Hear me. You can have the power, but you better have the process with it. If we had all the hands but no instructions, we're not getting anything done. If we have the instructions but no hands, we're not getting anything done. You need the power and you need the process put together. The process and the power also give you confidence and boldness at the same time. Come on, church. This is what we're doing. Here's the power to do it. Here's the process to do it, but I don't know what to tell them. Tell them to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He died on the cross for your sins. He's raised from the dead. Repent and be baptized. Why? Because everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Peter laid it out right there in Acts 2 for us. There it is, the power and the process. And then, thankfully, Acts 2 says, there's a promise that comes with it. You learn that you get the power, you do the process, 
and there's a promise that comes with it. Watch this, Acts chapter two, uh, verses 38 and 39. Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. So promise number one is that you will be forgiven of your sins. I don't know about you, but that's the number one promise I wanna make sure I got, right? Promise number two, and here's what I was talking about, watch this. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So when you're saved, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay, you see that? It's a promise. Promise to you that if you repent and be baptized, Jesus will forgive you for your sins. You'll receive the Holy Spirit. Now watch this. It gets better. This promise is for you. Watch this. And your children. And your children. And their children. And their children. Right? This promise is not just for you, but it's for all future generations. Listen, you repenting, being baptized, and giving your heart to Christ impacts your children and their children and their children and their children. My parents weren't saved. They didn't take me to church. My kids have never asked me on a Sunday morning, are we going to church? You know why they don't ask? Because they know. It, it impacts the generations after you. And then it gets even better. And for all who are far off promise is not just for me and my family, but it's for anyone, anyone, anyone who doesn't know Jesus Christ. I just have to have the power in the process to tell them. Now, here's what gets me. This is probably my favorite part of this whole message is the Lord was revealing some things to me, that when you take the power and the process and the promise you and I are only responsible for one. We're only responsible for one. We're not responsible for the power that was gifted to us. Do you bring your own presence to your birthday party? No, it's gifted to you. Are you responsible for the outcome, the promise? No, the Bible says one man plants the seed, one man waters the seed, but God makes it grow. You are only responsible for the process. So, I was walking through Walmart the other day. I don't know how many of y'all remember, well, those of you that were, were walking with us during the pandemic uh, online, I shared that during the pandemic, I started a garden in my backyard. Now, my backyard is like a little concrete slab, so I, it wasn't much of a garden, but, but I was growing some tomatoes and a few different things, and, and so I'm going through Walmart, and I walked by this, uh, this little setup where it has these things, you know what I'm talking about? It has all these little different like plants and vegetables and all this kind of stuff. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking at it. This is cantaloupe, in case you can't see it. And I'm sitting there looking, I'm like, man, I wonder if I should start, you know, growing some plants back and stuff. And so I started thinking about it, and I've already got this message in my heart. It's going, it's in my spirit. And all of a sudden, the Lord showed me something. Watch this. There's something really interesting about this concept. First, I want to talk about the power. It still blows my mind that this is in this, Right? Like, like multiple cantaloupe are in this little bitty seed. I've never understood it, but it's the power of a seed. Now, here's the best part. You don't have to understand that, right? It's not about you figuring out, well, how does God get six cantaloupe? Does he press them down? Does he form it? Does he put it in an ice tray and freeze it? Like, it none of that matters. The power and how it operates doesn't matter. You're just supposed to allow it to work, right? Then I thought, oh, 
Then there's the process on the back. So I'll give you an example. It says, sow in fertile warm soil in full sun after all danger of frost. Sow four to six seeds about three inches apart and heels apart, cover with a half a fine. There's instructions. There's a process. And then there's the promise. So let me get it back out. The power, the process, the promise. How many of these are you responsible for? Are you responsible for figuring out how cantaloupe fits into the seed? No. Are you responsible for making sure it looks like this? No. You're responsible for doing this. And according to the way it works, that if you'll do the process, the power's there, and somehow it always ends up coming back to the promise. I tell that to tell you, listen, you as a Christian have been commissioned to go and share the gospel, to go and minister to people. And so many of us get caught up on what we can't do that we don't even do what we can. You're not responsible for figuring out the power behind the Holy Spirit. Well, I don't know, Acts 2, is it this, is it this? Let's get, what does it say in Hebrew? Stop all that. Just go out and be. Let the Holy Spirit do. Speak. Open your mouth. I'll tell you one thing. If you will start talking to people about Jesus and you'll open your mouth, you'll start saying things that you, you'll walk away going, I didn't even know I knew that. And that's all the evidence you need of the Holy Spirit. You won't need nothing else. I don't even know. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know how that happened. Yeah, it was the Holy Spirit. Go do it. And then my favorite thing about God, y'all, I'm trying to learn this as a human being. I'm not responsible for outcome. That's so hard for me to learn because I want to do something and then sit back and watch it. But God says, hey, it's not your responsibility. I'm the God of the promise and you don't know if I want it to be that or be this. I might make jalapeno poppers or peppers out of a cantaloupe seed. You don't ever know what God might do. That's what I love about the Bible saying, hey, one man plants the seed. One man waters the seed. What does that mean? If you're starting the gospel with that person, you're planting it. Maybe that person heard the gospel when they were 16, but now they're friends with you at 22, and now you're watering it. But you are never responsible for it to grow. I was talking to a friend of mine about this sermon, and he was like, do you know the story of the bamboo plant? And I was like, no, I don't even know what you're talking about. He said, you know, they'll plant it. And I think he said, I, I, I don't remember the details. I think he said four or five years, nothing will happen. And he said, all of a sudden, in weeks and days, it'll shoot up to 40 feet. But here was the part that I remember because it was so fascinating to me. He said, once it starts to grow, if you watch it, you'll actually see it grow. But you have all that time of nothing. I wonder how many of us have started operating and letting God use us, but we're watching and we have no idea of the way God's timetable works. And so because we're watching and nothing happens, we just stop. Because we think we're responsible for the promise. And I'm just telling you, Acts is on a whole nother level. We spent 30 weeks telling you what Jesus did for us. Acts, right off the bat, is telling you what the Holy Spirit's going to do in us 
and through us if we'll just let him do it. Amen? So I challenge you. Let the Holy Spirit work through you. You got the power. You got the process. God's given you the promise. It could almost be a sequel to last week. Just get to stepping. So I want to put two challenges out there. First are to those of you that are saved. Man, be, be challenged by this. Start, start looking for opportunities to share the gospel. Start serving. Start a small group. Start talking to your neighbors and your coworkers. Let's start telling people about Jesus. Well, Troy, I don't think I'm ready. You're not supposed to be ready. Disciples weren't ready. They were filled. You're not ready. You're filled. Well, when am I going to be filled again? When you pour out what you've already been filled with. Right? Go and do. I don't know what to say. Peter just told you. This is what you believe. This is why you believe it. This is what you do because you believe it. Well, what if, what if they won't be my friend anymore because I'm talking to them about Jesus? You're not responsible for the promise. So if you're saved, do that. <laughs> Go share the gospel. Start serving. Find ways to let the Holy Spirit work through you. If you're not saved, Peter said, repent and be baptized. I'm telling you right now that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died for your sins, and that he rose again from the grave, and that you can be forgiven, that you can spend eternity in heaven. The Bible says if you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth. So I want to challenge you to do that. So I'm going to pray. And then, Paul, go ahead and put that number back up on the screen for me, that text to connect number. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for you. I pray for you, those of you that are saved, that God will move on your heart to start doing everything you can to tell other people about Jesus. And I'm going to pray for you that are not saved, that you would give your heart to Jesus today. And if you're either one of those and you want to respond to that, if you'll text that number and let us know, we'll do the best we can at following up with you and helping you make the next steps that follow that. But I want you to understand that we always have a next step. If we're not saved, you need to be saved. Then you need to be baptized. Hey, we're baptizing folks today. Just jump in there with your jeans on. Then you start serving. Get in a small group. Start sharing the gospel. Do the best you can at impacting other people for Jesus. That is church. Real quick before I pray, if you are being baptized, when I, when I say amen, I want to encourage you to Go ahead and get going. Go and get dressed. Also, I want to encourage anybody who's here today, would you stay with us for those, that time and celebrate those that are being baptized? I think it'd be a great time to just give God all praise and all glory for what he's doing in people's lives. Um, let's pray. Father, we thank you right now for your word. Can I just start off by thanking you that I'm not responsible for the promise? I'm not responsible for the outcome. Father, I preach this message and I'm not responsible for the outcome. You will never hold me responsible for whether people react to this message or not. My obedience was to preach it. And Father, to take somebody like me, who is so ordinary, and to communicate this message is the evidence of the Holy Spirit.
And so I pray right now for every person that's watching online, every person that's in this building that has never accepted Christ as their Savior, Father. I pray today would be the day. I pray that they would say, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he died for my sins. I believe God raised him from the grave. I want to be saved. And then I pray for every person who's already given their heart to you, Father. They've already accepted your your salvation. I pray right now that you would grip their hearts. Acts 1 said you cut them to the heart. I pray right now they'd be so excited and they wouldn't even be able to sit in their chair right now. So ready to start telling people about Jesus. To serving you. Creating opportunity. To be able to be a witness to you, Jesus. Father, help us to understand that we're not coming to church, that we are the church. Help us begin to pour out so that you can fill us back up. I just want to let the Holy Spirit speak for a moment. Father, draw the unsaved to be saved. Draw the saved to start living and sharing your gospel. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said, amen.